All right, Jesse, are you ready? So we've been really excited um, as we've been getting ready for Nehemiah. Um, I've been really praying that God would make space uh, for some other people to share. And Jesse is one of my favorite sharers. But I am a lot of times bummed out because a lot of times she'll share whatever I'm away. And so I'm super excited to be here um, to hear Jesse. But uh, I think maybe it was before we even started teaching into it. Jesse shared and said, hey, she's reading God's kids some stuff up in her heart. Um, that is going to come to us this morning. So, Father, we pray for Jesse that as she shares, God, it would just, yeah, just to communicate her heart and your heart. And Lord, we pray for us. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name. Hi, everyone. So, this is my little cheetah and my little black bear, Joshua. Joshua. There's actually no reason why they're up on the screen. It was just that I was like, I really want an intro, and these were the pictures I wanted to put up. <laughs> has nothing to do with what I'm going to say. Um, except that I delight in my children. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think, like, I delight in these pictures. I don't think anyone else in this room is going to delight in the pictures. Okay. I delight in the pictures. But, um, you know, there's a spiritual analogy in that. <laughs> no one's going to delight in you more than the one who gave you birth. And, uh, yeah, I just felt like uh, the Lord wanted to speak over everyone, like his heart for them. Uh, what's, Andrew, what's the definition for precious? Throw one out. Okay. Anna? <laughs> Bear. I just think of the blood of Jesus. In in general, something that's precious. Rare. What would you give the definition? Rare. Rare. Of great value, greatly loved, treasured, not to be wasted or treated carelessly. So I'm gonna read you some of these verses that I came across. Just kind of talked about preciousness. God said in Isaiah 43, since you are precious and honored in my sight because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Exodus 19.5, now if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people, and all the earth is mine. Deuteronomy 7.6, he chose you to be a people for his treasured possession. David prayed, Psalm 17, 8, keep me as the apple of your eye. It's just pretty cool that you stop to think about that and like, man, I'm the apple of God's eye. Above anything else on earth, he calls you his treasured possession. Precious are you and honored in my sight. God, I just pray that we would catch your heart. <clears throat> to really know your heart for us. You know, Joshua has a pull on our heart. Um, there are some things that we don't plan on doing, 
except that whenever he looks you in the eye and says, Dad, one more time. Ben really doesn't want to chase him around like a horse another time. He's just cut down trees all day, and he's just like, I'm really tired. And he's like, Dad, horse, one more time. Five more minutes. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Five more minutes of pretending to be a horse. <laughs> and like with his full energy, he'll run around the house. And you have a capability of pooling on God's heart. A lot of times we don't think we, we do. It's like, oh, God's made up his mind what he's going to do in the world and what he's not going to do. And, you know, why bother to ask for anything, you know? It's, yeah. No, you look him in the eyes and you have a request. Know that it's pulling in. <laughs> you just hold that place. But if we don't know the place that we hold in his heart, we're never even going to bother to ask for things. Come on. It's like, why bother? Yeah. So there's some things you have to understand. Like, I wanted to talk about prayer today. Um, you know, the theme of, like, prayer. And, but I really need to talk about, like, the value of our hearts and what's in our hearts. Because if we really don't know how valuable our heart is, we're not even going to put our heart out there to ask God for the things that are in it. Or, like, if they're even important enough. <laughs> and what's important enough to pray for? Yeah. Brad brought up last week about um, Moses on the mountain, and he said, I'm going to let all my glory pass before you. <laughs> and it said Moses stood there, and the goodness of God passed before him. Do we really understand how good God is? That it's like the centralness <laughs> of who he is. Um, yeah. Matthew 7, 7 through 10. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will all be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, I think a lot of people in here have the testimony of God has never given you a stone when you've asked for bread. Some of you, maybe not. Maybe you can't even think of a time that, like, you prayed and you got the answer. Maybe it's because you didn't pray and ask. But every time I've asked God for bread, he's never given me a stone. He has never given me a stone. Yeah. Some of the testimonies I share with people of God's like heart are things like when I really wanted an apple and I couldn't afford an like I could afford but it was like two dollars and I didn't want to pay two dollars for an apple. I'm in a foreign country and all I wanted was an apple. Someone comes up to me, doesn't speak any English at all, holds out two hands, an apple in both hands, and offers one to me. That's the heart of the Father. He gave me an apple. He didn't give me a stone. When I really wanted my bedroom painted blue, because I was really tired of yellow walls for five years and they were driving me crazy. 
and I really wanted a blue bedroom, and I didn't have money for paint. It wasn't blue, it was a specific eggshell blue. I went to the store and I picked out what color I wanted, and my brother-in-law happened to have an extra can in his basement. When I really wanted a blue bedroom, the Lord gave me a blue bedroom. And you know that blue bedroom has ministered to my heart. That was like seven years ago. But he has never given me a stone when I've asked for bread. Come on. Come on. I prayed, God, this was a time when I was financially short, and I said, God, I pray that my house would never be empty of fresh fruits and vegetables. Two days later, Mike Weber shows up on my front porch. He was working at the outlets, and someone who had a farm gave him this huge box of, like, it was like melons or something. He's like, I don't know what to do with all these melons. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, God is so faithful to me. He has never given me a stone when I ask for bread. And that has to be your testimony. Like, you need to think back in your life. Think of the faithfulness of God. Think of a time that he really came through and let it come out of your mouth and say, he has never given me a stone when I've asked for bread. Because that is going to shape the way that you pray. It's going to shape your expectation. You know, some things we think are really important to pray for. Like, okay, I have a bill coming up and I have to pay my electricity or my electricity is going to get cut off. I have kids at home. God, my kids are really important to you. We need to keep heat in the house. And you're very certain God's going to answer those prayers. You have confidence to pray them. Maybe sometimes because it involves your kids more than it involves you and you feel like God has a bigger heart for your kids than he does you. So I just want to question, like, what things are important for us to pray for? Like, where does the line start and where does it stop? You guys finish the sentence. For everyone who asks. The one who seeks. The one who knocks. You notice you have a responsibility in the first half of every single one of those. That's good. James says, you do not have because you don't ask. Part of that verse, he was talking a lot about, um, he says, you guys are fighting and coveting and arguing and you try to like make things happen for yourself. He's like, and you don't have because you don't ask, like you're trying to make things happen. You'd have it if you'd ask me. It's like, but when you do ask, then you want to like use it on your own passions and your evil desires. And I don't want us to get confused with the word passions that he says, because that has a lot to do with like the arguing and the bickering and like selfish desires. You know, there's a difference between your flesh and the desires of your heart. God says, delight in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. I want you to understand that these desires that are in you are a part of you. Come on. And I think it's too common that either we disconnect our heart and we disconnect our desires. A um, couple reasons might be. It might be that you think, oh, my desires are evil. Um, they're fleshly. 
and I need to sacrifice my desires. Um, the enemy can like warp them and you know, better not to have desire or longing or anything. Just put those on the table over here. You may think, um, this is how I thought um, for many years before someone confronted me on it. It's just like, God, you can have all of me, all my future, everything that I want. I just put it on the altar and I kill it. I'm yours. It's a great prayer. Wow. Except that my heart was dead. Yeah. I gave him my body, but not my heart. Because my heart is no longer living. You can't give something that's not living. I can't submit my heart. Jesus prayed, Lord, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will. Jesus never killed his heart. He didn't kill his heart in order to submit to the Father. Come on, Jesse. But yet it seems safer and so much easier to not desire at all than to try to live in submission to the Father or to let our hearts align with his heart and operate out of it. And sometimes we, it's, it's either like either one of those directions. We start to wonder, like, do I even feel? Do I desire? Do I long? You know, the kingdom belongs to those who desire. You know, the people who got the kingdom were the blind men who stood on the side of the road and cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's right. And Jesus said, what do you want? Okay, it's yours. You know who got the kingdom was Jairus? Wasn't he a Samaritan? Not even nearby. Traveled for miles just so that his daughter could live. And you know what? He got it. Because those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. And those who knock, the doors open. It's a kingdom principle. That's what Jesus said. But if our hearts are shut down, if we don't desire or we don't long, we don't seek, then we're not going to knock. We're not going to ask. What will be, will be is kind of the mentality, and that's not how it operates. We need our hearts to live. <clears throat> James 1, 5 through 7, if any of you lacks, talking about wisdom, if you lack... <coughs> Let him ask God who gives generously. Yeah, he's a king. Just, kings are generous. That's because that's how they operate. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. So the question remains, oh, here's a, three things we need to, to go into with knowing like prayer. We know God's side, that he's good, he's generous, and he's capable. But the thing that keeps us from asking is what's in your heart is important. So what things seem important enough to ask for? I mean... When we start praying about, God, I really want a house. 
God, I really want a family. Is it too small of a thing to ask for children? I don't know how many people have come up to me and said, like, will you pray for me to get pregnant? It wasn't too small of a thing for Mordecai to raise Esther and have her deliver an entire nation from being killed. Come on. The desire to raise a child, it's not a small thing. You think it's selfish? Maybe we look at our desires as, like, Sometimes how we use spiritual gifts, oh, like, God gave me this gift for myself. And it's, you know, like, it becomes very personal and you use it for yourself, but it was actually meant for the body. What if we started viewing the desires of our heart as actually planted in us by the Lord for the sake of his body? Maybe you were created, like, specifically with desires, but they were, like, created by God, for God, inside your heart. And you think they're just you, but it's actually the part of you that comes most alive when you're in Christ. What if Mike's desire for photography wasn't his idea? And he might just think that it's uh, something he likes to do in his free time. But what if it's actually God's desire for him to put on display the image of who he is? And it doesn't seem like so small a thing. It doesn't seem like it's all about Mike anymore. But it's got to start with recognizing that the thing that he desires and that's inside of him is important. And one day he's asking if he should get a camera. His camera, you remember that? You wanted a camera, but I don't know if you were afraid to ask for it or didn't, weren't sure if he should buy a new one. Yeah, I was expensive, so I was like, oh. <laughs> Should I get a camera, God? Should I not get a camera? It seems like a small thing in the perspective of you don't know what, what the outcome is. Is it too small a thing to, to value having a business and your business growing? You know, when I think of business, the person, <laughs> the person I respect, I don't want to say the most, but is mostly in front of me in my heart is actually Schindler <laughs> off of Schindler's list. He's like, just one more. It was like, he didn't have a business so that people could feel his need. He saw the need and he tried to make his business bigger to fit the need. It's just a reversal of vision. Is it too small a thing to be passionate about health and exercise? Passionate about food? Is it too small a thing to be passionate about animals? I think of Jamie with this one. Or be passionate about trees <laughs> and creation? But that thing that you're passionate about is the thing that God says in Romans 1 is where his glory is revealed. So we got to address this issue. What things are, are important enough? If you knew the impact of living from your heart, you'd ask. I don't think Brad knew the impact of living from his heart when God asked him to move from the beach in North Carolina to Grove City. But if I asked any of you now, 
about if he thought that was an important enough desire to ask God for some arrows that he could send out. You'd probably be really thankful for it. Little did you know that the desire in his heart affected you. I have, um, there's a couple that I know. Uh, I was closer to them during one point, but their names are Pat and Penn Goss. And they spent a significant amount of time in China, but uh, a while back, she was a nurse in Youngstown, and they had a house there. Um, and she shared with me how when she was a nurse, um, they delivered this baby one time, and the baby's not expected to live. And she was on night shift, and she came in, and the nurses on staff um, got the orders not to feed the baby until the baby passed away. And she said, what? Who gave these orders? And I said, the doctor. The mom doesn't want the baby, and the baby's not expected to live. Um, so we got the orders not to feed it and just to let it pass. And she's like, no, you ignore those orders right now. She, said, she says, as long as I'm on duty, <laughs> um, you're going to care for that child. So like the nurses obeyed her. And the doctor came in in the morning and talked with her. And they were like, no, this is the only option. And she's like, this is not the only option. <laughs> so she called her husband up. And she said, and he agreed. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And that night she took home the baby. Very spur of the moment decision. Um, and I don't know everything that was wrong with the baby, but they carried her around, or the girl, they carried her around in a basket. And they called her, they called it the Moses basket. Took her to church in this little basket. Um, it was probably only a couple weeks, and uh, Ken was dancing with her in the kitchen. She passed away in, her, in his arms. But you know what was inside Pat's heart? Life. I mean, that's a big issue now. Abortion's been a big issue in our country and a hot topic coming up. But it was an issue in her heart and she knew it was there. And she knew, because she knew it was there, she knew what to ask for. She knew how to steward what was in her heart. You know, she said yes to that child but a couple years later, she found herself in all of China, yeah. going from church to church, preaching thousands. I don't even know how many people they preached to. <laughs> Pastors repenting from the one-child policy because they were telling their congregation members to all go get abortions because they thought it was what God wanted to follow the government. They thought that that was God's heart. And you have thousands and thousands of pastors on their knees weeping and repenting because they didn't know. And I just, I, that story just sticks out to me, and I stand in awe of it because she didn't know. Once you recognize the desire that's in your heart, you might not know how to pull it off. You might not know where it's going to end up. But if you can get on the surfboard and ride the wave, Come on. you don't have to know where it stops. Just ride the wave. Come on. Catch the wind. Go with it. You might not be able to see the forest, but if you know God has a desire for a forest, plant a tree. <laughs> That's the first step. 
But if we can be faithful to operate out of our heart, he'll just line us up. But we have to be engaged with our heart. We have to know, like, what's in there. We have to be able to feel. It's not wrong to feel. (laughs) Men, it's not wrong to cry. It doesn't make you unmanly. (laughs) (laughs) Nehemiah 1. He heard news of a of his people being in shame and the wall being destroyed by fire. What did he do? He cried. His heart was broken. He identified with a people. He said, this is, this is the things that we need to pay attention to is what makes our heart weak? Yeah, come on. You know, I can read, um, I can read the newspaper and there are tons of things to pray for. I can start praying for our government. I could like, I don't know, every headline is a different issue. Cody asked me one time, this was like years back, and he's like, like, how do we have time to pray for everything that needs prayer for? It's like true, you, you just don't have enough time to pray for every issue in the world. But there are certain things, I read them, and my heart begins to weep when I read it. Come on. And those are the things I need to pay attention to, because God is doing something in that specific area where my heart aligns with it. And if I can ride the wave with that, we'll see where it goes. But I have to find, I have to be in touch with my heart. I have to know what's in it. And I have to engage with God in prayer about it. <coughs> if we knew how important our heart was, we'd ask. You know, after, after Nehemiah started weeping, um, and he started to think, like, what if I was the one to answer that prayer? What if I was the one to help? He goes before the king, lets him know his heart, and the king says, well, what do you want? So Nehemiah goes back and he prays, and he comes up with a list of things that he needs to pull off this vision or this thing in his heart. Like, safe passage, I need an army who's going to guard me as I travel, I need timber to build houses that I'm going to stay in, supplies for the wall, I need letters to the governor for permission to access. Wow. Um, he needed all these things to pull off what was in his heart. Hmm. And the king just asked him, what do you want? I mean, this is a ungodly king. Think a little bit about the persistent widow. Oh man, if, if she can ask and ask and it's granted to her, how much more for a king who actually thinks you're his most treasured possession on earth? Wow. Of all nations, I give people in exchange for you. He says, You're my most treasured possession, apple of my eye. So that's how the ungodly kings. Treat those who come before them and ask. How much more with the Father?
before him in your cheetah hat and bear suit. <laughs> so what do you want? You can go through life not wanting anything. Pretty satisfied with where you're at? Pretty satisfied with your neighbors? And the kingdom belongs to those who seek, and those who knock, those who ask. One thing I want you guys to understand is that um, and with this, how long have you been in Jesus? Since I read my life, it's 17 years. 17 years. Jerry, how long have you been in Jesus? Much time. Um, <clears throat> uh, like 10, 15 years. Okay. Ben, how long have you been in Jesus? 16 years. Those are some pretty high numbers. Sometimes we get confused about, like, you know, this is my desire and this is God's desire. When you were born again, you became a new creation. You're in Christ. Yeah. You became one. And the longer you're in him, in him he says, I'll take your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Yeah. A heart that's movable, a heart that's shapeable, a heart that feels. You know, his spirit has been sanctifying and working and been for 16 years. I forget, 18, 17? Yeah. That is a long time to be one with someone where your heart is shaped to be just like them. Jesus says, as I am, so are you in the world. He spent a long time in his Holy Spirit. And you become so much more like him than you realize. Yeah. You think that you're still Mike Weber. You're actually more like Jesus than Mike <coughs> Weber ever was when he was born. And your desires started to change and to be shaped. You know, when I was little, I wanted to be a vet. You know why? Because I didn't like people. <laughs> I loved animals, and I didn't like people. You know, when I was like seven years old, and I started to follow God, by the time I was 13, he grabbed my heart with the heart for people, because I realized how much he loves them. That was the first time he started speaking to me about going on, you know, like short-term missions when I was 13. So I was like, I knew God loved them. But that wasn't my heart I was born with. That wasn't the seven-year-old Jesse heart. No, I wanted to be a vet or a marine biologist or a dog breeder. That was up there as one of the dream jobs. You could know, be around puppies all the time. Like, that's just, that just seems like the best job ever. I don't think I could 
ever not work with people now. Because the longer I was in Jesus, the more my heart became just like his. And we became one. It just like, it just gets like morphed. You don't even know it's morphing. You don't even know like the parts of you that are changing until there's already changed. And yet right now we sit and ask and it's like we're split inside. Like is this me God desiring this or is this you? Is this a godly desire? I don't know God if it's a godly desire. It doesn't even seem like, it seems pretty selfish. I kind of want to do photography. I don't know. Camera seems like a pretty materialistic type of prayer. I should be able to be happy with no physical things. <coughs> I mean, Paul does say be content in all circumstances, whether well fed or hungry. If you kill your heart, you're no longer living. Living sacrifices require living hearts. Say that again. Yes, Lord. To be a living sacrifice, you need to have a living heart that is able to desire and to long, but also to walk in submission. But if you're afraid to feel, to long, and desire, you'll never be able to walk in submission. And it's those very desires that God's going to use. And you find yourself praying for them. And God's just answering about, these were my desires for you the whole time. They were actually my idea. I've been waiting for you to have them. I've been waiting for you to feel them. Come on, ask for them. Ask and I'll give the nations to you as your inheritance. He's already given us his son, his most valuable thing. <laughs> what else won't he give us? Sometimes we have not because we ask not. John 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That's on this time, sorry guys. If you're abiding in him, I don't want you to worry about desiring the wrong thing. Yeah, come on. Wow. Come on. I just want to pray for our hearts. Come on. Um, I told Brad this, but a couple weeks back, I was looking out over people, and, um, you know, there was a season a couple years ago where we had a lot of people who were passionate about the arts come through here. Um, artists, musicians, um, specifically music and art were the two things that were foremost. And 
you know, all those people have kind of like went through and graduated. It's like they knew what was in their heart and they knew what they were going after. And this is kind of like the theme that God was speaking. But I looked out over um, everyone who was sitting in here a couple weeks ago and I felt like the Lord was saying like new desires were coming forth and new desires were being birthed. Um, there was actually going to be like a, a new focus that people started to run after. Um, it wasn't, I wasn't sure what it was. But I also wasn't sure that people knew what it was. Because we weren't aware of what was in our hearts. And like God just wanted to bring it forth. Um, he wanted it to, he wanted it to come out. <laughs> so I just want to pray over us. Yeah. Come on. That what is placed inside of us can just be birthed and come out. It's important to the body. Yeah. Father, I pray over our hearts. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just be speaking life over people's hearts right now. Places that have been dead, we say live. Places that haven't felt, breathe on them right now. thought about someone um, you might be in the place where you like feeling like you have control over everything yeah. um, you know you have control over your life and your family and circumstances and the feeling of not having control over something is scary and so to not have control over your heart seems really scary and so it's easier to just like kind of press on our heart a little bit and not let us feel so much because then we don't know what to do with it when we feel I don't have the answer to that prayer, or I don't like, I don't want to do these feelings, this deep burning, and I, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. But we have to feel. We can't afford not to feel. Um, yeah, so I just pray, God, that we would be able to feel even safe, that you would just like whisper to us about um, being safe when our hearts come alive. And it not being a scary thing. Yeah. I pray for voices to rise up that could affirm like that what's in our heart is good or important and needs to come out. And maybe this week you guys can ask different people that you see what's in your heart. Just allow them to like verbally process and see if it comes out. That helps bring it to the surface. God, I pray for um, fertile ground for desires to land. That. Um, Yeah, we could be a church community that helps foster and really like raise up what's in people's hearts. 
speak over each of your hearts and it's good. somewhere um, it's written about the heart being deceitful above all things and I just want to call that out as not your heart that is not the redeemed heart of God someone who is in Christ Paul wrote in Romans I pray that you know every good thing that's within you become a theme verse for your heart, I want to call that out as not your theme verse. God made you good. I really do think it's important um, for you guys to ask each other at some point what's in your heart. Uh, it needs to come out. Some people are not um, the type that sit there and think what's important to me. Um, we need to find out what we're passionate about, what makes us weep, what makes us come most alive, what brings us the most joy. Pray that our joy would be full. Can't afford not to live joyful lives. That's right. Through the Spirit, you know. Thank you, Jesse. Um, just take it for a second. I wanna I wanna read one scripture, and I want us to just take a, a moment to ask God if there's places of repentance that we need to to go to today. Um, in Proverbs 27, verse 19, it says, as in water, face reflects face. Think about that. Can you think about looking in water? Face reflects face. You get that picture? So a man's heart reveals the man. As in water, a man's face reflects a face. So a man's heart reflects a man. Somewhere along the way, and I don't know how long back this goes, but there's, there's been this thought that um, if we can feel that we are susceptible to our emotions in a way that can lead us away from truth. And that's true, that is a possibility, but we, I'm afraid, have created a culture um, within the church, but probably beyond the church as well, where spiritual neuropathy is seen as spiritual maturity. My dad had surgery probably 15 years ago and he woke up from the surgery with no feeling from his knees down. 
So if you step on his foot, he can't feel it. They, they do tests every so often where they inject him with pins and they try to sh shock him with electricity and he can't feel it. And for a lot of us, we try to get to a place where our heart is unaffected by the things that happen around us. That's not maturity. Pain is not the enemy. Pain is a signal that something's wrong. So my dad has had several times where he's bleeding and he doesn't know it. He's had several times where things that have happened that are bad and he's unaware because he can't feel. Does that make sense? So any place where it's felt like spiritual maturity to turn off a place where our heart can be fully awake and alive, like I think we should pray about and repent because there's, it's, it's risk management, right? It's like a wave, like she said the word control. I think that's really important. Listen to a couple of scriptures. Psalm 20 verse four says, may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill your purpose. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says, keep watch with all diligence over your own heart for out of it flow the issues of life. Both in the book of Nehemiah and also in the story of Solomon in the temple, it talks about the deposit that God had made in the heart. So I just want us to just take a minute and Jesse, thank you for praying for us. But I want us just to take a minute and just listen because I think the connection of this message and why I think the timing of this is really important. Now, even though she did talk about Nehemiah a lot, what she talked about is really important in our journey. We come to a place where they begin to build this thing together, but the, the instruction, the action step was each one building what was in front of their own wall, in front of their own house. And in some ways, we've lived our lives kind of shut off our heart. And so we just go through trying to manage life. But God has created you put you on the planet for a unique purpose. I believe that. I believe that's revealed inside of our DNA. Like our fingerprints are different. No matter how similar we are, there's something unique about you. There's no one like God, right? And that you are on the planet to reveal something about him that no one else can reveal. And I think this message is important. So can we stand together this morning? And I just want us to pray together just as living, just giving a space In our immaturity sometimes when we see an error, we react against an error. And reaction, it's, it's really hard to react. If you're living a life in reaction, it's really hard to react in a way that you land in truth. When we see an abuse of spiritual gifts, it's really easy to swing over and say, we're not gonna do that, and so we just avoid them altogether, right? We see abuse in uh, places where people have gotten too comfortable or, or too familiar, and so we move uh, from uh, a place of too familiar to uh, isolation. And instead of like rightly dividing the word of truth, often we, we're like a pendulum and we just move, and maybe one day the pendulum will just wear out and we'll end in the middle. No, that's not your destiny. God has a plan for us to rightly divide his word, to rightly divide truth. So I want us to pray. I'm going to pray, but I want to pray alongside Jess, and I want you to pray. You just ask God, is there any place where, yeah, God, right now, we just ask, is there any place where we have shut down parts of our heart that you intended to be awake? Is there any place that we've, and, and trying to avoid pain, and trying to avoid risk
dangerous to practice avoidance and think it's freedom. So God, we just ask that our hearts would be fully alive. I stand with Jesse. And God, if you are speaking about a reawakening, God, give us courage. God, any place we've been afraid to ask. Sometimes we're afraid to ask because he might not answer. And sometimes we're afraid to ask because he might. But there is no wisdom in fear. And there is no fear in love. So God, we refuse to walk in fear and call it wisdom. So God, give us courage to ask. God, there's been disappointment. God, I pray that you would break off the yoke of disappointment in Jesus' name. Can someone turn some music on? What I just want to do is if you feel like there's a place where either you already know or something, I just need to repent because there's been a place where my mindset has, has allowed my heart to be shut down and, I, and I've, I've been okay with that. I, I just want to encourage you to get someone to pray with because this is one of those things the Lord, I mean, you can, you can pray by yourself, you can pray at home, that's fine. But the enemy would like to keep you isolated. And so this is one of those places, if you sense like, something clear, you know, I would encourage you, find someone before you're up in this room. And if you feel like you know there's hurts and disappointments that you've walked through, that this feels like your only recourse. Like, you, like it's almost like, I don't know how any other way to, to live. And please don't leave. I would love to pray with you. And it's not limited to me, but, but find someone. Don't walk out of here today. If you feel like God is touching something, alone. Let's, let's, let's walk in the light in terms of our fellowship with each other in this area. So God, I pray that you would infuse us with courage. And God, I also pray that, uh, God, what may even not be clear right now is, I think for some of you, you're like, man, if someone asks me what's in my heart today, I don't know. That's okay. But God, I pray that the further we go with you, the more clear we would be about what you've deposited in our heart. What, even, even when we say, God, I don't know if that's me or if it's God, that's okay because we can put on our bare seat and come to your throne of grace. So God, we're committing to keep following you, not just follow our hearts, but God, we pray that our hearts be fully alive as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, blessings to you. And again, just encourage you, don't walk out. If you need prayer, don't walk out without getting someone to speak into that with you, all right? Thank you. Have a great week.